today on Ag News Daily. So I kind of got into agriculture by accident. It was, um, I've come from a tech background and I actually began using AI in the military in the 90s um, and then had an extensive career working with various technology companies. With the Farm Smart Podcast, we're not just talking change, we're making change together. Farm Smart is where sustainability meets opportunity. We're helping growers leverage sustainable practices and products to record positive environmental impacts and provide new revenue streams. Tune in to learn more about sustainable ag and the opportunities and incentives that are enabling us to get to the future faster. Get the Farm Smart podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at nutrientagsolutions.com slash farmsmart. September 26, 2023, here Delaney and Tanner ready to bring you some of the latest headlines. Delaney, how was your Monday? Oh, thank you for asking, Tanner. It was great. I figured you'd enjoy that, uh, listeners, but just letting you know, not a whole lot of new weather news. Still got Felipe and a couple other disturbances uh, out east of us headed towards Bermuda. We do have some thunderstorms that are likely in parts of central and eastern Illinois through tonight. Hail up to an inch in diameter could be an issue. Winds over 60 miles per hour, which is not good for maturing corn. And the hail, obviously, for soybeans. Southern Missouri has a 20 to 30% chance of storms developing tonight and in tomorrow, but no other hazardous weather is expected here in the Midwest, Delaney. That is true, Tanner. And we certainly saw that reflected on the USDA crop progress report as we saw 15% of the corn crop now officially harvested as of Sunday and 12% of the soybean crop harvested as well. We certainly saw corn harvest pick up slightly after moving ahead six percentage points and soybeans also picked up speed, moving ahead seven percentage points, likely reflected there by the good weather we saw in much of the Corn Belt. But we are chatting weather on the podcast tomorrow, Tanner, to get a longer range extended forecast for the rest of harvest season. That's right. That'll be a good conversation to have to get a, a nice timely update. We also saw in Missouri, farmland underwent rapid fire bidding and racked up a final price tag of $34,800 per acre. The recent sale now beats out the previous record of $30,000 per acre in Iowa. This is per ground that is considered farmland. The record sale happened last Thursday in Saline County, Missouri. Two farmers got in a bidding war. And in just 15 minutes, 115 acres sold for the $34,800 per acre new record. The buyer was not an investor. The winning bid came a farmer came from a farmer by the name of Jeff Baxter in neighboring Carroll County. According to the farmers, the competing bidder was also a farmer who had land that touched the land that was for sale. So quite an interesting way the sale went. It was in 15 minutes, a quick auction Delaney, the first bid started at $15,000 an acre. It was a fast auction with more than $4 million achieved in 15 minutes. Yeah, it was just 115 acres, Tanner, that went for a little over $4 million. You got that kind of change laying around? You can go invest in a farmland? Yes, from all these Ag News Daily ads, that's exactly <laughs> what we should invest it in. <laughs> Doesn't it always make you kick yourself, though, thinking like back in college and early career days that you should have invested in farmland? That's what I always think to myself. <laughs> Borrow as much as you can. Just mm -hmm. wait. 
Absolutely. Well, it sounds like folks are going to maybe need to borrow money again here yet this year or yet next year to be able to pay for food prices as the USDA is forecasting all food prices will increase again this year. They're expecting food prices to increase 5.8% in total this year within a range of 55 to 6.2%. Food at home or the grocery store prices are predicted to increase about just over 5%, while food away from the home or restaurant prices are predicted to increase about 7% across the board. In 2024, all food prices are forecasted to increase an additional 2 to 3%, with USDA using a range of 2 to 7%. Tanner, so that should mean that uh, people at the grocery store should expect to pay a little bit more money. But I'd be curious to see our restaurant or eating away from the home trends and sales. Have those gone down since we've seen this increase in prices? I would suspect not, but certainly could. Yeah, it would be interesting data to see. We are seeing data, though, of post-COVID numbers showing up for new beef packers. The processing capacity is expanding. You look three years after COVID-19 hit, we see an additional 11,700 per head daily harvest capacity in various stages of completion. We do have the three smallest projects that have daily harvest of 500 head all in operation now. That's Jerome, Idaho, Polk County, Missouri, and uh, expansion projects also in Tama. When you look at sustainable beef in North Platte, Nebraska, they're looking at adding 1,500 head capacity, producer-owned beef in Amarillo, Texas, 3,000 brand new facility. Dirt work has begun there. The American Food Group in Warren County, Missouri, 2,400 has broke ground on their $800 million facility. The Cattlemen's Heritage Beef in Mills County, Iowa, also 1,500 new head capacity that 520 million dollar project sits on 132 acres is continuing to ramp up capacity so it'll be interesting to see once these plants come online what that does for the cattle market because the u.s cattle herd peaked and seems to be in a decline right now based upon the inventories of course that's discussions that we've had a couple of times on the podcast but vets are also wanting to spread the news across the U.S. that they have a new tick that is spreading. There is new tick that is dangerous to cattle. The long terminology known uh, as a fancy name, but is also known as the Asian longhorn tick, the ALT, is native to Eastern Asia. And as of 2023, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention reports that it's been identified in multiple states, Arkansas, Connecticut, Delaware, Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Massachusetts, Missouri, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia. So only Indiana really here in the Midwest and maybe possibly into Missouri. Alt females do not need to mate to lay eggs, which is the tricky part about this tick, but the disease can cause a wide range of effects to animals such as cattle. So they wanted to give that update to you today. And apparently we have been looking at the same headlines here this morning because we're having a lot of overlapping stories here, (laughs) but just wanted to share a quick update here on the looming government shutdown as Secretary Vilsack addressed folks in Kansas City yesterday afternoon. 
He said farmers would lose immediate access to marketing loans if a government shutdown does indeed happen, unless Congress agrees to some sort of short-term funding bill. He said that the WIC program, as we talked about yesterday, also would leave about 7 million women and children out in the cold, so to speak, as that food aid program would be cut right away. And he said that about 50% of newborn children that are born are usually on the WIC program. And that, of course, would be one of the fastest impacts we would see to any sort of a government shutdown. But Tanner, it appears the White House really is ramping up their criticism over a possible partial federal government shutdown. And most importantly, they are stressing that this would cut food aid, which has been kind of their top priority here, because as we know, about 75% of the farm bill actually goes to food assistance programs and not necessarily into direct farm programs, Tanner. So those would be the fastest to see an impact if we do see a government shutdown happen. But of course, they're still trying to pull something together here at the 11th hour. Yes, it is. Just a quick headline. The Iowa Pork Producers Association signed an NIL contract with Iowa State University that celebrates four of the football players. Have you seen that, Delaney? Uh, I don't think I have. So four of the players, position players for the Iowa State Cyclones, carry last names of Bacon, Hammond, Moore, and Purchase. And when you put them in reverse order of what I just described, Cyclones win by purchasing more ham and bacon. So the NIL deal for the Iowa State University football team is certainly drawing attention, gleaning many of millions of views across the nation. So quite an interesting local uh, college sponsorship there put together by the local pork producers association to share. We've also got a couple of updates uh, from the auto workers' strike, as well as Russia and Ukraine to wrap up my headlines for today. President Joe Biden will travel to Michigan today to walk the picket line with members of the United Auto Workers Union amongst their ongoing strike. Biden's trip is historical as the presidential appearance on a picket line comes as he faces political pressure to ramp up his support of the union members. The United Auto Workers Union expanded its strike against GM and Solantis last week. The union has made progress in negotiations with Ford, so it won't increase the number of Ford workers on those picket lines. 62 workers at the port uh, in Crimea were faced with a Ukrainian strike. Missile strikes on a Russian landing stated in Sevaspol that 62 crew were killed. 34 Russian officers, including admiral and commander, were killed in the attack on Russia's Black Sea Fleet headquarters, with another 105 servicemen sustaining injuries as missiles had attacked a ship that was docked for repairs. We also see that Russian drones hit the Danube River, the port in the Odessa region overnight, injuring two drivers and damaging more warehouses. Russian ships are still launching strikes on Ukraine following the alleged death of the Black Sea commander. Ukrainian President Zelensky said Monday that his arrival, or he hailed that the arrival of the first batch of U.S. Abram tanks 
was expected to be a powerful ground advancement for them. However, the Kremlin, Delaney, states that the U.S. Abram tanks that have been delivered will burn, in fact, be a major target of theirs. So they'll continue to watch the fleet of 31 U.S. Abram tanks that have arrived in Ukraine, and we'll continue to watch the headlines that come from there. But that's what I've got for today. You know, I think you stole most of my stories, so I am out of news as well, aside from chatting markets. Well, let's see where markets are at. Well, as we head into the opening session here, overnights traded mixed as December corn down a penny at four eighty and a quarter. New crop beans up two and three quarter cents at thirteen dollars and a half. Hard red December winter wheat down a penny and three quarter cents at seven twelve and three quarters. Chicago December wheat will open two cents higher at five ninety one, and December spring wheat will open two and a quarter cent higher at seven seventy one and a quarter. A quick reminder at where livestock closed yesterday and will open here this morning. October live cattle shed 10 cents to open this morning at a buck 86, 97 and a half. October feeder cattle will ring in at 258, 82 and a half. And October lean hogs were unchanged on the day yesterday. will open this morning at 81, 52 and a half. Tanner, today's Tech Tuesday conversation is very timely because we're talking about a new technology developed by a company to help monitor and adjust for harvest loss in the field. With the Farm Smart podcast, we're not just talking change, we're making change together. Farm Smart is where sustainability meets opportunity. We're helping growers leverage sustainable practices and products to record positive environmental impacts and provide new revenue streams. Tune in to learn more about sustainable ag and the opportunities and incentives that are enabling us to get to the future faster. Get the Farm Smart podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at nutrientactsolutions.com slash farmsmart. Well, for today's Tech Tuesday episode, we are chatting today with Craig Gansel, the founder and CEO of FarmWave. Craig, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Delaney. Thanks for having me. So, Craig, I am really excited to learn more about FarmWave, especially given that it is harvest season and this is the type of technology farmers need to have in the field. But before we get to that, let's hear a little bit more about your background and how you started FarmWave. Yeah, so I kind of got into agriculture by accident. It was, um, I've, I've come from a tech background and I actually began using AI in the military in the 90s um, and then had an extensive career working with various technology companies. Uh, had a previous startup building wireless networks and, and Wi-Fi systems and sold that in 2018. But uh, that's kind of how I got into agriculture. Initially, we built some Wi-Fi over research farms uh, for some big seed producers and uh, I was dabbling in some other technology, specifically Google Glass. And it's sort of just, I kind of got circulated through multiple conferences and speaking at events, bringing Google Glass along and showing what its capabilities were as kind of a hands-free heads-up display using your voice to take pictures and send data. And it got people wondering how this kind of technology, specifically vision computing and image recognition, artificial intelligence could be used in agriculture. And so while we built Actually, the first app worked on Google Glass and then moved to mobile devices. We started looking at how we could apply this to machinery 
and where it would add the most value. And we, we sort, of, sort of started working backwards um, from harvest, um, even though we have some things that we did around sprayers and planting technology, uh, and even have some patents in that area, we, we really focused on harvesting because we saw it, it provided the most immediate value to the farmer. Absolutely. And I think this is a very timely conversation, given that most of our listeners are probably sitting in the combine right now listening to this podcast. But I love that you mentioned AI and your background with it going back to the 90s, because front and center on FarmWave's website says our AI solutions reduce harvest loss by three to eight bushels per acre. And that's at a minimum. So let's really dig in, Craig. How are you harnessing AI to help reduce harvest loss? So we're, we're putting cameras on the combine uh, on the backside of the header, looking down at the ground and on the rear of the machine, looking at the residue coming out of the spreader chopper area in flight before it hits the ground, which helps differentiate between combine loss and header loss that could be coming from the middle of the header. And those cameras are taking pictures every three seconds, and they're telling the operator on a heads-up display in the cab in real time by counting the actual kernels and doing the math to figure out about how many about how many average bushels per acre they're losing and where it's coming from on the machine. And they can do all of this without stopping. So they just keep going. Whereas the hand count method, they stop and get out and go out and scratch around in the dirt and sort of count kernels and figure out in a one-by-one one area about how much they're losing. Or with drop pans, they might drop the pan, stop, get out. But then if they make an adjustment, they can go a little bit, but then they have to stop again and repeat that process to see if it actually worked. And if it didn't, then it's wash, rinse, repeat, and they keep doing it until they find something that that made that loss go down. With farm wave and then not stopping, they can just make adjustments on the fly. And the next three, six or nine seconds, they'll know whether that that change has made a difference or not, because they'll see right away the loss, the, the, the number of kernels it's counting go down. So does this technology plug into the harvest monitor system they might already have in their cab, or does it require an additional setup? It requires an additional setup. Right now, we are completely standalone product. We do not integrate directly with any make or model combine, which means it does work on any make model combine. Uh, but with three cameras, each doing pictures every three seconds, you know, 144 counts per acre or anywhere between 12 and 20,000 images a day. This takes a lot of compute power because this works at the edge. It does not require connectivity of the cloud to operate. And so because of that compute power, the system is completely standalone right now. We are having discussions with various OEMs about integrating into the machines, uh, but some of the some of the controller cards in those machines and the processing speeds need to be uh, a little bit faster than they are currently. So you also mentioned adjustments. So as I'm rolling along in the combine, I'm seeing what my harvest loss is. What kind of adjustments do I need to be making? And does the system tell me those adjustments? The adjustments, I mean, they vary depending on conditions, the crop, the type of machine, the type of header. It could be anything from just slowing down, changing the real speed, changing the sieves, the, the, the fan speed. There's all kinds of things that, that could be done. It really has a dependency on on what you're what you're harvesting and the kind of machinery you have and the conditions. Uh, right now, we don't have recommendations uh, coming up, but that will be coming uh, in time for next year. Uh, we're collecting some of that data this year. We've got some some uh, uh, people that are 
helping us with kind of our, our, our beta software, if you will. We have a lot of new things that actually went out this year that they're trying and helping us with, and you'll see those uh, next year. But uh, one of those things is, is recommendations. And, be, and a lot of it is just because there are so many possibilities that it becomes a decision tree that is very, very extensive. And we want to make sure that we get it right, but also keep it as simple as possible, uh, depending on what kind of make model machine they're running. And again, the crop they're harvesting and the conditions. So you mentioned the crop they are harvesting. What crops currently is this technology compatible with? Yeah, currently it is in corn, beans, uh, soybeans, and a couple edible edible beans, which we're expanding on this year. Wheat, we're uh, peanuts, cotton, and we are working on canola right now uh, for for next year. Wow, that's a that's a good variety of crops there, Craig. So. Congratulations on that. But I'm assuming you've done probably some pretty extensive research and and uh, case study work to see what's the economic benefit, because at the end of the day, really farmers are, are interested in how can they decrease their their inputs or how can they e- increase yield. So when you look at the farm loss here or yield loss, really, how do you measure that? How do you quantify that for farmers to understand really the value you're bringing? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is, this whole thing didn't happen overnight, right? We've been at this for probably, uh, it's a little bit, a, a little bit over eight years, uh, six years of R and D two years prototyping in the field, uh, took a minimum viable product to the market last year and commercialized this year. And there's no real exact science. Uh, for example, if there's kernels underneath, especially in corn off the header underneath the stalk or leaves or trash, we're not going to see it. It's not x-ray vision. Um, being that we're taking a picture every three seconds, and we could probably make that every sub-second, but it's just a lot for the farmer to keep up with. Um, the numbers probably actually underreport from what is really going on. And it's really just about following the trends all day long, which is why the UI gives you a graph to look at throughout the time that you're running in that particular field. That graph is probably more important than anything else, just see if your losses are trending upwards or downwards. If, if people are looking for, um, you know, a, a picture that 100% of the time counts every single kernel, 100% of the time, it's, it's not going to do that. Uh, There's, there's no AI out there that can do that right now. It's, it's about those trends and about just sort of following it throughout the day. Uh, We, we don't put our, AI models into production until we have a, a decent threshold of accuracy. We try to achieve over 80%. Uh, some problems are harder than others. As you can imagine, canola is, is really difficult. Uh, but we, we and sometimes those take extra time till we collect enough data to get those models where we want them. Uh, but it's really about following those trends and looking off the, uh, the cameras off the header it's, it's only measuring a, a specific area on each camera on each side. So if you have a 40 foot or a 50 foot header, then it's actually going to be underreporting because you could have that loss in between cameras. Uh, and so what you're actually seeing is probably underreporting uh, and it could be even more, but we try to keep it very conservative uh, in our accounts and our estimates. Uh, and there's a lot of variables that go into to making that. Well, Craig, you also mentioned there the process it's taken to get to commercial stage has been well over uh, eight years now. So you mentioned it's commercially available this year, but 
assuming that's too late for folks to get it in their in their fields for this year's harvest season. But tell me a little bit more about the dealer network you have built out. And if we have any listeners that are curious in, in doing a demo or seeing it in action, how can they how can they get that settled? Yeah, uh, if if they're listening right now, I mean, there's 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 still time. Uh, you know, we've kind of figured that if you do about at least 600 acres or more, it pays for itself in in the first season. Uh, it, it you can see the the value right away when you start harvesting with it in just a few passes. Uh, we do sell direct to the farmers uh, as well as through a dealer network, but that dealer network has gotten very big very quick this year. We started out with none and we're in eight, over 80 dealer locations uh, as of right now. And that continues to grow all the time. So you can go to farmwave.io and reach out to somebody and order a system directly, or you can look on our, our dealer map and see if there's a dealer nearby that you could get in touch with and possibly see a demo uh, and, and purchase a system uh, from them. Uh, most of them are carrying some inventory and we've got a little bit left this year that we can get one shipped out right away if somebody's interested. But um, they typically see a value pretty quick. And that was our goal, was to build something that that provided a, an immediate return to, to, to farmers. I love that. An immediate return to growers. I think that's hard to sometimes come by, but uh, certainly appreciate your time today, Craig. And really best of luck in the future as this continues to hopefully grow into the industry. No, I appreciate it. I, uh, thanks for... Give us an opportunity, Delaney, to hear our story and, and share it with everybody. There you go. Another great Tech Tuesday conversation to share with you listeners. Continue to keep touch with us on social media. Let us know how your harvest is going and keep us in the loop. If you'd have interest in being a guest to report on your harvest season, let us know because we'd love to reach out and have that conversation. Delaney, what do you say for today? Should we let them go? Let's let them go. 